0: Hi, this is Kim Davis, Editor-in-Chief of DMN, welcoming you to a, a new series. It's kind of a little bit like a series we used to do a year or so ago, if you're, you're a long-time follower. Uh, we're going to call it Team Talk because, essentially, I'm sitting down with my colleagues at DMN to talk about some issues of the day. I have with me Hilary Adler, who's Senior Editor. Hello, Hilary. Hello. And we have Amy Onorato, who's Special Projects Editor. Hello, Amy. Hey, how are
1: you guys?
0: (laughs) Okay, so good to introduce you to these relatively new recruits that have been around a a little while now. Um, And the topic for today, let me give you a bit of context, first of all. If you can remember life before the last presidential election, (laughs) we actually (laughs) did a series on DMN of uh, blogs on political marketing. There's clearly a lot of relevance in the way candidates were going out and starting to use data and databases and social media to reach voters, to target voters. So political campaigning and marketing were overlapping to some extent. We thought that was interesting. Of course, we're not a politics website. We're a marketing strategy data technology website. But we've returned to the topic a number of times, especially recently. Hillary wrote a, a couple of pieces on the hashtag MeToo too. Uh, story. Um, I wrote a, a slightly sarcastic piece about how uh, Michael wolf 's book about goings on in the White House was benefiting from some kind of inadvertent experiential marketing campaign which President Trump launched. And uh, we were writing also just this week about the way in which a number of very prominent marketing technology leaders joined with other business executives to call for action on the dreamers. But I want to play devil's advocate today, and I want to ask my colleagues, for goodness sake, can't we keep politics out of marketing? Shouldn't we be just treating marketing as a straight thing and keeping away from the political issues? Hilary?
2: I don't know that it's a question of should or shouldn't we, Um, At this point, I think it's virtually impossible not to let some element of politics seep into brand image, um, especially with a state of consumer involvement and brand identity, by which I mean social media Mm -hmm. and the sort of constant go-between between between consumer and brand. Um, I think that the demand for brands to take a position on political issues is just too high to ignore.
0: So. and that's something we you actually wrote about in the second part of the I hashtag did, yeah. me too series and this is this is what i'm i 'm hearing is that it's no longer optional for brands it's very and okay there are some kinds of businesses you might be in where you're pretty much on the periphery, but for a lot of high profile brands. Just keeping silent on these big social issues because of social media is no longer really a possibility.
2: It's not a possibility. And then it, I think it also comes into question of whether brands have more to lose by staying silent. Yeah. I think, um, so Sprout Socials, um, a company we've worked with before, just released today a study about... Um,
0: Women? Oh, no, i Women in tech, was it?
2: No, it was, um,
0: sorry, sorry, it was, was,
2: yeah, so they surveyed 1,000 U.S. consumers um, asking basically what kind of political involvement consumers wanted to see from brands. And the response they got back was that sixty six percent, which yeah. was an overwhelming two thirds of the respondents, said that they thought it was important for brands to take public stands on social and political issues. Yeah.
0: I remember those figures now. No, though it was a smaller number was saying that we don't want to hear about politics and brands. And I expect that's you know, it may be a smaller number, but I expect that some people feel that very firmly. They don't want to hear about Donald Trump from their breakfast cereal company. So, you know, there's other side, <laughs> side to it. Well, it was
2: curious because the study actually it, it, it pointed to that, and it was that conservatives generally didn't want to hear about mm. political issues from brands, but liberals <laughs> were demanding it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I mean, if you think back to a couple of weeks ago when... Volvo and Keurig and a couple other brands decided to pull their ads from Sean Hannity. Yeah. Um, after his poor, poor coverage of Roy Moore. Yes. Um, conservative consumers had an insane backlash. They were burning Keurigs in the streets.
0: Yes. Felt strongly about it. Really.
2: <laughs> How do you burn a Keurig? I I,
0: do, I haven't tried. <laughs> like <recently>. mechanical
1: fire? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Amy, Amy what are you, what's your perspective on this?
1: Um, I think it kind of shines a light on how marketers should be thinking about engaging with audiences as a whole. Um, personalization, you know, something, is something that consumers are looking to. They're looking for brands to be more than just companies, that they're people and there's people behind them and there's people working with them and, and they stand for something and they have their, their own mission and their own values. And I think being able to you know regardless of of what political stance you're taking consumers want to see that there are people behind these companies and there's people behind these brands and um... that they they have something that they can connect with on that sort of level it's it's going deeper into this Idea of personalization, which yep. we see, you know, on social media, and you know, with a lot of how marketing strategy as a whole is kind of moving towards, is creating this sort of one-on-one relationship, and being more human. And I think with the ability to speak out and get involved in in politics and in larger social issues, kind of shows that hey, we're a company and we care. Yep. And you know, that comes with its sets of risks. And you know, we've seen companies do it very successfully, and we've seen a lot of. <laughs> Companies kind of <laughs> fail at Pepsi. that too. You know, Pepsi, Pepsi, fail. <laughs> big time. It is good, um, yeah. Full disclosure: I'm drinking a Coke right now. <laughs> Not sponsored yeah. by Coca-Cola. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges too with companies who are trying to get involved with this this sort of shift in conversation. You know, there's a lot of experimentation that's going to happen with messaging, and you know, sometimes it's going to hit, and sometimes it isn't. And I think that the risk involved can be a little bit intimidating. You know, Pepsi. Was trying maybe Pepsi was trying to do the right thing. They had good intentions when they went into it, but the public response didn't see it that way. So there's a yeah. lot of risk involved as well with with kind of making sure that your messaging is really on point and making sure that you're able to really hit in the right way with your consumers. And I think that that's going to take research and refinement and. There's going to be more success in the future, but we're, it's not going to be the end of these embarrassing moments either.
0: There is a very high level of risk involved. An example I love, and I admit I've mentioned it on the podcast before, so if you're a regular listener, bear with me, and that's the Today Show on NBC, where for <laughs> years they deeply invested in presenting their roster of TV anchors as the equivalent of a family you are inviting into your home every morning. It worked so well until it didn't. Uh, Because you don't want a family member who has the issues which Matt Lauer had. So uh, the, the point I'm trying to get across is that I think there's a fundamental shift in the way people think about marketing, which makes it inevitable, I agree with you, that politics must come in. And that's the shift from sending out mass messages to a mass audience, to inviting people to make your brand part of their life, part of their daily life, part of the way they think about who they are. And if you're going to try to reach them in that personal way, and we talk about customer experience and the customer journey, you're going to need to be the kind of brand they want to hang out with. And in today's climate, part of knowing who people are, what their values are, is, for better or worse, knowing where they stand on a range of it. I would say political with a small p issues, if that's the right way to put it. It's not so much, is this brand Republican, is this brand Democrat, Democratic. It's how does that brand respond to a whole bunch of issues which are very real to us in our daily lives. Does that make sense?
2: It does make sense, but I think, I mean, for U.S. consumers, this country is so large, We've discovered just how 50-50 we are, and we really are split down the middle. I mean, how do you address the needs of both factions? It seems virtually impossible.
0: Yeah, and let's be honest, there is an element, uh, people talk about the glass bubble, but of course the three of us, we're all in media. Both of you, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, are native-born New Yorkers. I've lived in New York most of my adult life. We do have a perspective, and it may not be a perspective which represents the whole country, but how can you avoid that?
1: What's interesting, I think, is, is kind of looking at, I think for a very long time, companies were afraid to address or take a political stance because of their bottom line. You know, because of that, we need to not offend certain demographics or, or certain people um, you know, who may or may not buy from us. What's interesting is now that seems to be shifting companies are more and more ready and willing and and to speak up to say what they feel and to, and to stand in solidarity with the things that they believe in and what's interesting is that the power that these companies have to kind of incite this change within communities for what they believe in and getting on social media and saying hey we stand behind this and they're Consumers ultimately will get behind them too and it helps with creating movements with me too, all these companies that were so speaking it, out yeah. and the I guess with the Sean Hannity thing as well, people pulling their ads and making a statement that can impact other people's bottom lines without necessarily them being as afraid of theirs. Yeah. I think it's pretty interesting and how that sort of social shift has happened.
0: And it's it's relevant you say social because the other aspect of this of course is the ready accessibility of um, social media because I'm old enough to remember that if you wanted to get a message in the media you'd have to type a letter and mail it to the editor and hope he'd publish it. Now we can all bring our voices potentially to the whole world you know with with a few clicks and that means that brands are not just worried about getting an angry letter or or reading an editorial about them in the local paper. They're worried about snowballing consumer rage if they do the wrong thing. I can get out of control pretty quickly.
2: A uh, dedicated mega-thread on Reddit would be any brand's worst nightmare.
0: Yes. (laughs) Let's not be on Reddit for the wrong reasons. Shark Um, tank. Now, just another question is, let's recognize the elephant in the room, uh, the president. Social media (laughs) precedes Donald Trump, obviously, I don't remember things being quite like this under the previous administration. Is it You mentioned how the country does seem to be very strongly divided. Is it because there are now all these issues in the news which make people so angry that this has become much more an issue than it would be had we elected a more mainstream, kind of less disruptive administration?
2: Well, I think the question or the this, the answer here is that It's no, no. Things were not as divisive as they were. I mean, perhaps they were always that divisive, but people weren't as vocal about it. Something about this administration, many things, have angered a lot of people. And the level of political activism from the CEO down to Joe Schmo on the street is just completely elevated. I mean, I can't think of a time in my lifetime where at any given moment... (laughs) on the f-train uptown <laughs> you see police near trump tower i mean because the amount of protesters there yep. on an everyday basis are just outrageous yep. and so that 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 direct involvement with political climate f- from regular people is so so grand now that i think the conversation has shifted a bit yeah. and now brands are engaging in, in in that activism as well
0: they don't f- people don't forget politics if there are, i mean there are people who aren't interested at all i get that but if you follow politics you don't forget it when you walk into a store and significantly you don't forget it when you're walking down the street trying to decide which slice of pizza to buy it's kind of in your mind all the time these days well that's the perspective from new york if you disagree with us let us know we've we've tried to explain why why we're doing some of the coverage we're doing and also specifically to give some reasons about why it can't be separated from important shifts in marketing right now. Any final thoughts? Hilary, Amy, thank you for joining me for this, and thank you all for listening in.